Proverbs chapter 28, if you have your Bibles. Journalist John Branch is a, he's a sports journalist. He covered the 2022 Winter Olympics. And while he was there, he observed in especially some of the events a level that he had not picked up on, on fear. And he said it was very interesting. When he began to realize this, he began to think about the danger of some of the events in the Winter Olympics. I mean, you jump into a little tube and go 100 miles an hour. You're on two wooden planks, right? And you're going at speeds of 60, 70, 80 miles an hour around and sharp, sharp turns, right? You're on ice and numbers of people have hurt themselves and they're twisting and ski jumpers have to fly huge distances in the air. And, you know, he goes on, he says, the athletes that perform these feats are not crazy. They're not reckless, but they have one thing in common that might surprise those that watch. They are all scared. Every one of them. Do they admit their fears? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. U.S. Alpine skier Alexander Kittle said that there are a lot of people who have the mindset that if I show some fear, then I'm going to slow down. I never talked to anyone about being scared before. It's probably hiding in my mind somewhere. I guess it's because I don't want to put ourselves in the position of seeing some kind of weakness or scared. Courage is said to be not an absence of fear, but those who will face their fears and do the task anyway. And I think that's a good picture, although some might say they are insane, but it's a good picture of courage. In the text we're going to read, it tells us that the righteous, the godly, should have boldness. Boldness as a lion. That's the picture there. And it contrasts the wicked. Let's read it. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. But the godly or the righteous are as bold as lions. I want to think to you firstly about why it says the wicked flee or are afraid. The picture there is that they're timid. Now, most of us can probably tell of a time that in our minds we created something that wasn't there. I think I've shared this before, but there was a time where I was just a young teenager. Uh, My uh, father had just passed away in a car accident. uh, And in our neighborhood, there was a number of break-ins, a couple of burglaries that had happened. And my brother and I knew who did it, and we didn't get along. And so one night I'm laying in bed. It's probably super late. I'm a teenager. I'm not saved. I got. I probably have the television on. I think I was watching Don Kirshner's rock concert hour 
That's for Randy. Anyway, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway, and uh, or the King Biscuit Flower Hour or whatever it was. Flower Hour of Power. And so, but anyway, I'm laying in bed. There, Some band's playing and I'm watching this and I hear a crash, a window break. Glass break. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're coming here. I close my eyes. I'm, I'm, it's my brother's not there at that time. He was sleeping over someone's house. It's just me and my mom. And so I'm a little, I'm paralyzed. I'm four, four, 15 years old and um, I'm just scared. And so, because I know these guys, these guys are not, they are not nice guys and they don't like me. Then my door opens. And I'm laying in bed and I am absolutely convinced my heart is racing so fast the mattress is going ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And then I don't know why the television volume disappeared. I've got my eyes closed. Now I know the mattress is bouncing up and down because of my heart rate. Then I hear a crash. And I think I passed out from fear. Turns out, my cat needed to go outside and didn't have a litter box. Jumped up on the window, knocked over a vase. That's what the glass I heard crashing. Came into my room, opened the door, came into my room. I don't know how the volume went out. And then jumped into the shower, taking out the shower curtain and the rod. And that's the crash I heard. But in my mind... I had a whole big scenario going. See, sinners, it tells us, the wicked, they run when no one's pursuing. Sin will destroy your confidence in life. Isn't it interesting? You can just mark down. It's just kind of an interesting thing that I've noticed. But... There are some people, they're involved in some amazing, wicked sin. And they're still the ones, mostly, wearing the masks for COVID. It's just fascinating to me. Because they're the most afraid. The wicked, this term wicked means morally wrong. It talks about an actively bad person. But it also talks about someone who's condemned guilty in the wrong they've done. Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in their own insight are foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. They're trusting in themselves. They boast in themselves. Romans chapter 3 talks about, quoting out of Psalms, how that they boast how there's none that are righteous, but they're all proud of it and they boast. But inside, just like these athletes, they're afraid. Because sin brings a guilty conscience. And a guilty conscience makes you afraid. Or as we use the word, paranoid. It's interesting that Adam and Eve sin. And then they hear God come to the garden. Genesis 3.8, and in the cool evening breeze were blowing, and a man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid themselves from the Lord 
among the trees. People begin to be quite afraid when they've sinned. It's a mark, you see it, that timidness happens to people. They're, they're retreating, they're something that changes in them. They become extremely paranoid and insecure. Psalms 53, this is David writing, he says, But no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Those who do evil never learn. They eat up my people like bread and won't even think of praying to God. Terror will grip them, terror like they have never known. God will scatter their bones of their enemies and put them to shame, for they have rejected. For God has rejected them. God begins to, your conscience begins to wear on you. That's why people who are constantly in fear is often linked back to a sin. It's often linked back to something that they open themselves up to. They're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they haven't dealt with something in their life. They're afraid the wicked flee when no one pursues. Sad to see, but this is how people react. It's how people act in society. And God, because of sin, won't allow you. Now, I know sinners can be bold for a little while. They can be really, you know, they can, uh, you know, uh, be active and in your face and stuff. But that doesn't last. It doesn't continue on. My wife and I, yesterday as we were leaving Cape Cod, we went to uh, an old standby restaurant that we really like. And they just have some good food. It's a, it's a kind of a bar and grill kind of thing. And we were sitting actually pretty close to the bar. We were looking and real, we're, we're, there's a whole group of, there's guys at one end, girls at the, ladies at the other. And they're all our age or older. And we're, Kind of whispering among ourselves, I wonder if I went to school with some of these people, because I wouldn't recognize them, and they probably wouldn't recognize me, but I'm just curious how, but just looking at where they've gone, and how life plays out, and you cannot violate God's laws for too long before it begins to affect every part of your life. The wicked, the conscience screams. And I'll just note that when you're witnessing to someone, realize their conscience is God's ally. They already know what they've done. And it's your, their conscience is God's ally. You can begin to speak to them about uh, issues and sins specific and say, you know what? These bring fear, shame, condemnation. Guilt. This is why people hide or they try then to cover it up with drugs and alcohol or other things. And God won't allow violators of His law to wax too bold. Leviticus 26.17 I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. And those who hate you will rule over you. And you will even run when no one is chasing you. 
because your mind and your conscience will be afraid. And this is why fear and anxiety is a major issue of our day. And people are on all sorts of anxiety medications because of the way they live. And you know, there is no test for depression. You go to the doctor, they'll do a blood test, they can tell you whether you have COVID or cancer. There is no definitive test for depression. Now, part of that is you're talking about emotions as opposed to physical. I understand that. But it's in Mark. Not your anxiety today. You put in people's actions, their guilt from the past, and the current events of the day. And if I wasn't saved, I'd be very afraid. And I'd be ready to move to upstate, like really upstate, and hide away from people. But it compares here, as Solomon often does in Proverbs, one with the opposite. And he says the wicked, well, they run, they flee, their conscience, their fear, their anxieties, that's all there, but the righteous, they're bold as a lion. I want to think about that, because righteousness or godliness in the some translations, others use the term just. The main thought here has to do with not only how we live, but our standing with God. Now, I thank God that my standing with God is not because of the righteousness I can do. I thank God... If Titus 3, 4 and through 6. But when the kindness and the love of our God and Savior towards men appeared, it was not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior. So we're made righteous by what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. See, part of what He defeated was guilt and fear. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. You don't have to live in guilt and fear. Not because I said it. Not because you can go to a counselor and they can convince you of it. Not because you can take a a certain medicine, although there is one pill, which is the old pun, right? The gospel pill that will set you free. But because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. What He did and accomplished when He shed His blood was so that you and I don't have to live in anxiety and fear. Now, being set free from sins and habits is glorious. I thank God that I'm set free from sins and habits. That from the day I got saved, I, you know, uh, we, I was talking, we were talking on the, uh, I was talking with some pastors and we were just sharing some stories and I was 
saying, you know, well, I did this in school, and I was with Frank Luna, and he he was crazy. He was really crazy. And, you know, and uh, Paul Hallis, you know, uh, and Jeff Beswick, the four of us were sitting around, and we were just talking about it. It's like, you know, thank God we're saved. We were, you know, you know, and I'm feeling like, yeah. It's glorious to be saved. Set free that I have never, from the day I got saved to now, I've never been drunk again. I've never smoked marijuana. I've never, you know, all of these things fell off my life when I prayed and got saved. It wasn't perfect. There were other things I had to struggle through. But the reality of life is I was separate, but emotionally, you can be healed in your heart by what Jesus did. It's not like Christianity is not the religion of you must try harder. It is not a self-help manual. You get standing of being righteous not by what you have done, but according to His mercy. According to the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That God will give you and help you, strengthen you, change you, the way you think, the way you act. Now in that is the cooperation. Godly is godliness. It literally means to be like God. Now none of us are going to be God. Because none of us are perfect. Now we're not Mormons here. We don't believe that you get your own plan and you become God. But the thought of godliness... 2 Timothy 3.15 is the mystery of godliness. And very simply, it is the understanding that God became man. That Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, lived a sinless life. Something none of us can say. Became This man, so that you and I, in our fleshly bodies, can live a godly life. A God-like life. A God-pleasing life. In that, of course, there are decisions that we make. Ephesians 2 is the wonderful outlay of salvation. You who were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Has He made alive? We walked according to the same dictates of all other sinners out there. We're not better than them. We're not smarter than them. They're chasing after what we chased after. But God interrupted us. And God wants to interrupt them. By grace are we saved through faith that Jesus Christ saves us. And then He makes the statement in verse 10... Of Ephesians 2, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. You know, your cooperation in righteousness is very helpful. You're not made righteous because you do good works. But once you are righteous, you should begin to start trying to do good works should become kind of natural in your ability. It's seen in your spiritual activities. 
coming to church, praying, reading your Bible, giving, witnessing, whatever it is involved in. That God says, your abilities to do and not do. Genesis 15, verse 6, it says, And Abram believed God, believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness because of his faith. Faith dictates that we have to live a certain way. When you believe something, you live that way. How many have ever met, you know, I'm a Christian. As they're cheating on their spouse and, you know, gambling and lying and whatever. You know, it's like, it's a standing. God brags about you. Job 1, verse 8, Satan is before the throne of God, and the Lord says, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. Blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. God brags on you. God gives us status. He gives us a place. And we need to maintain that, but our nature is changed. That's the godliness, the Righteous, our nature, our standing, our faith now becomes who we are. Acts 24-25, and Paul the Apostle, he reasoned with a man named Felix about righteousness, self-control, and the coming day of judgment. And Felix was frightened. He said, go away now. I will, when it's more convenient, I'll call for you again and a couple of years go by and he doesn't do anything about it. But Paul brings out righteousness and it causes Felix to tremble. Why? Felix was looking for a bribe. He wasn't a righteous man. It says of the righteous or the godly, Our text says the wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Proverbs 30.30, And a lion which is mighty among the beast and does not turn away from any. Lions are awesome. They are really awesome creatures, and I really mean that fully. They are, they, you will be awestruck if you See, now I've seen, I, I was so sad. We went to the Polish zoo. We were, I spent a number of years in Eastern Europe as missionaries and we went down to see some other fellow missionaries. Kevin and Heidi Babcock were in Warsaw, Poland at the time. We went down there. We went to the zoo and they had a cheater, uh, that's just walking around in circa fastest animal on the earth, bored to death, just has this cage that's probably no bigger than this platform. And the lion would roar. It was just so sad. It's like, that's not intimidating. It was just so sad to see them so destroyed. But in the wild, they're majestic. They're called the king of the beasts. There is nothing that they're really afraid of. They'll even take on their most arch rival, which is a rhinoceros. They'll take them on and they're They'll, they, you know, they're, they're amazing creatures. 
how they hunt and how they, they're bold. They're not concerned when they're thirsty and there's a water hole who's, they're not going to wait in line. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gazelle, were you drinking? I'll, I'll just step back. Right? They roar and they go get what they want. They're, they're mighty. That's what God tells us we should be. He doesn't say, and the godly shall become obnoxious. This isn't you cutting in line. Well, I'm going to be bold. So, you know, as we were in India, I, I was amazed. I was standing in line, you know, waiting, and this young girl was uh, taking care of. It was uh, serving. Uh, and uh, this man, because of the Indian caste system, he thinks he's so important. He just cuts right in front of me and demands this girl to do some things. And she does. And I was amazed. And I looked at him and it was just, you know, like you are yourself. Your, your ego needs to be popped. And it was actually because I had been upgraded to business class, and he wasn't, when he got on the plane and saw us, he was like, well. (laughs) But God doesn't want us to be obnoxious to other people, but He does want us to be bold. Bold in your prayers. The righteous can be bold as a lion. You can be bold in your prayers. Hebrews 4.16 so let us come boldly to the grace, uh, to the, uh, to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. Boldly. You need God to help you? Come boldly. God, I need a new job. Come boldly. God, I need you to help me in this relationship. Come boldly. God, I need you to help me with this hat. Come boldly. Because there's grace and mercy God has for us. But it's boldly. You've got to come boldly. I have three grandchildren in Europe. Most of you know that. And most of you know that I collect frequent flyer miles so I can go see my grandchildren. Every once in a while, I have credit cards that help me get miles. Every once in a while, I will call up my credit card company and say, any free miles for me? And about half the time, they'll say, well, Mr. Sullivan, yes, we do. We can give you 5,000 free miles, which is about... 20% of a ticket to, that's about, no, it's more like 10% of a ticket to Holland. But still, it's 10%. Free. And I get it because I ask. If I don't ask, I don't get it. About half the time, they'll say, yes, as a matter of fact, we do have this promotion, or you can have this, or you know what, we can't do 5,000, but we could do 2,000, or, you know, we could do something. They do something. Just because I ask. I learned that trick. And the same is true with God. 
You can have if you'll ask. So many don't ask. Pastor Mitchell uses, used to use the illustration. He had come, he was a young man, had grown up in, he born in Arkansas, moved to Arizona, growing up, joins the Air Force. And while he's on his way out to boot camp, they put him on a train. This is in the 1950s, right after the Second World War. Put him on a train and they give him some meal vouchers. He's got meal vouchers in his hands, but he's too afraid. Pastor Mitchell, if you can imagine this. He's since passed away, but it seemed like nothing at the end of his life made him afraid. But he said, you know what? And he, he wouldn't do it. He's getting hungry and hungry. It's a 24-hour train ride to boot camp. So finally he goes up and he uses them. But fear and intimidation had kept him from using them. Fear and intimidation keep us from asking God for those great things that we really desperately need. Or we ask kind of half-heartedly in an unbelief. But God wants us to have boldness. I'll challenge a few of you. Some of you need to pray. God will give you a house. We start praying in Prescott. Actually, I started praying, Prescott. I said, God, you know, we're going to be here for a while. I want to buy a house. God said, buy a house. I told my wife, she said, we're crazy. We don't have any money. And we didn't have any money. We had just spent years of being missionaries. We came back. We didn't really have any money. And I was just starting evangelizing, and I didn't know how that was all going to work out. Long story short, we got into a house for $3,000. Owned it. Sold it when we moved here, made lots of money. In case you're wondering why we have owned the house we own today, it's because we made lots of money on that house. Boldness. You can ask God boldly. We also have boldness in proclaiming God's Word. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 it says when the members of the council heard, uh, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men without special training in scriptures. They also recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Boldness. They said, you know what? These men weren't trained in seminaries or Bible schools or scripture schools or whatever the Jews had at the time. But they said there's a boldness on these men. There's a mark on them that they're proclaiming. Some persecution came and different things began to happen. And in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says they, they got together and they prayed. And I... I don't know how they prayed, if Peter led them in a prayer, or if they held hands in a circle, or if they... I, it doesn't tell us how they prayed, but it does tell us uh, the prayer that they did pray. And it says that after this prayer, Acts 4.31, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to preach the Word of God with boldness. You can be bold in proclaiming your faith. In our day, they try, you know, people try to intimidate, especially speaking about Jesus. They, they, it's an intimidation. Don't, don't talk about Jesus. 
Don't, don't talk about what God, right? Religion and politics, leave them alone. But in our day, they're not leaving them alone. And sin is growing bolder and worse and that kind of thing. How much more should we declare the truth, the Word of God? I saw this quote recently and it said, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. We should have boldness. We are in the last days. Right? The ninth inning, the two-minute warning, however, the end of the fourth quarter, however you want, whatever sports analogy, whatever understanding, the final lap, whatever it is, we're now at that point. Let's proclaim the Word of God with boldness. Connected with that is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be ministering on that tonight. But connected with that is getting the fire of God in your heart. You know, it'll solve a myriad of your problems by witnessing to somebody and realizing, compared to them, you don't have any. You know, I I just captured, we showed a small video of our trip to Nepal and India. You know, and and the man on the bicycle pulling his, you know, what would have normally been in a car. That's their lifestyle. Makes complaining about the first world problems. And I get it, there still are problems, but, but you know what, they're first world problems. Most of our problems are first world problems. Right? Just because you still have the iPhone 12 instead of the 15 or whatever it is, you know. That's a first world problem. Right? That's... That's just the reality of the world we live in. I see, I understand that, but it's always good to get out of yourself and realize, you know what? We got it really good. And witnessing will do that. And finally is boldness and faith. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, Hebrews 11 says that Moses did not fear the wrath of the king. Caleb and Joshua stood firm against the current of rebellion. Elijah dared Ahab's anger to his face. Nehemiah, in a time of peril, exclaimed, Should such a man as I flee? The three Hebrew boys, undaunted to bow in the, in the face of the furious king of Babylon. The apostles' boldness astonished their enemies. Paul stood before the Roman governor and even Nero himself with a good confession. Boldness is not just for the biblical heroes, it's for you and I as well. Because I guess today we are actually God's biblical heroes. We're His church. We're His people. Exodus 14, verse 8, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. 1 John 4, 17, Love has been perfected in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because He is, so are we in the world. So I, I end with just a series of questions. What are you asking God for? 
What do you need? Would you be bold? Who needs to hear? Would you be bold? What fear is holding you back? If it's a sin, you need to repent. If you repent, God will forgive you and God will help you. Some of you need to get refilled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues. And I'll, I'll put this out there. This is uh, for my whole respect, and Aiden will like this, but my whole respect for the Miami Dolphins went up because their quarterback, Tua Taya, Tua, their quarterback, it's a, it's a, he's a Hawaiian, he's got Taya, whatever it is. But anyway, you know me and names. But anyway, recent interview, he's talking about the worst thing about playing football is you miss church. He says, you might see me on the sidelines. You think I'm talking to myself. I'm not. I'm praying in tongues. And this is an interview. This is him standing in front of the Dolphins. This is a post-game interview he's talking. This is on ESPN. This is on different other things. It's out there if you want to Google it. But don't do it till after the service. Thank you. All right. That was bold. That's bold. Putting himself out there. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to, I'm preaching on with the firefall. Let God help you. Get hold of God. You can be bold. The righteous will be as bold as a lion. That would be in every spiritual aspect of life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Just a moment of time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In, in respect to God and your neighbor. Sin makes us afraid. Sin makes us fearful because it affects our conscience. Sin works on us on the inside. You can't sin. Maybe nobody knows what you've done. Maybe there's no witnesses. Maybe you think I've gotten away with it. Maybe, you know, however it might be. Oh, they'll never find out the details. But the reality is it affects your conscience because it affects how you live. And of course, ultimately, sin separates. Sin doesn't make you spiritually weak. Sin separates you from God. And as a result, God actually works against you because He won't let you prosper in your sin. And He does that because He loves you. Because if you prospered in your sin, if you get away with it, if you think everything is fine, if you have no conscience, and I understand in the end days they're going to sear their conscience with hot iron and they're not going to have that kind of sense. I understand that, but most people who are in church on a Sunday morning, that's not the people he's talking to. But in your life, when there's sin, it makes you timid, it makes you afraid, it makes you won't come to God. This is why some people, they, they I've been told a hundred times, you don't want me to come to your church. If I walk in the door, my building might fall down. 
That's their conscience. They know what they've done. They know where their standing with God is. But it's not by the works of righteousness that we have done. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants to forgive and help you, set you free. Do a miracle in your life that you can be changed. Your standing with God changes. With one prayer, with one decision, Jesus says it's being born again. You're here this morning. You're not right with God. You need to leave your sin. You need to come to Jesus. You need to let God forgive you. If that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? We don't need a list of the sins you've been involved in. The Bible says all have sinned. We know people sin. That's not shocking. We just want to introduce you to Jesus. Let your standing change. That's you. You're not right with God. Slip up your hand very quickly. Maybe you're backslidden. Again, maybe nobody knows. But there's a fear. Oh, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to be found out. And you lose boldness in your prayers. You lose boldness in your standing with God. You lose boldness in witnessing or declaring the Word of God. It happens to people. You're backslidden. You need to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone at all. Changing the call then to Christians. If you are right with God, boldness. Boldness in your prayers in your faith, in what God's called you to do, in your witness, linked to the Holy Spirit, linked to getting filled and refilled and possibly filled again and again and again with the Holy Spirit, letting God help your life. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to take time, worship God, sing a song.
Let's give Him praise. Let's worship Him. Father, we love You, God. We glorify You.